I want to learn about peak performance. I want to be able to push myself to greatness and not crack under pressure. The most successful people seem to thrive in stressful situations and have nerves of steel. I want that. Well, it just so happens, our guest today is an expert in this subject. My guest is Dr. Brett Steenbarger. He's one of the most sought-after performance psychologists in financial markets. His clients are well-known hedge fund managers with billions of dollars under management and some of the most successful equities traders on Wall Street. These are professionals under an enormous amount of pressure to achieve, and they seek his help to reach even greater levels of success. He's authored numerous books and is a columnist for Forbes magazine. He's going to talk to us about performance psychology techniques he uses with traders and how to apply them to any intense profession. His audio is a little choppy, so I want to apologize in advance, but it's well worth it for the knowledge he shares. Okay, the first question I have for Dr. Steenbarger is, what are the skills I need to be a peak performer? Yes, skills are part of it, uh, but there's more to performance than skill. So, uh, you know, in the financial industry, there are different approaches to managing money. Some are shorter term, uh, what we call that trading. Some are longer term, what we call that investing. And those require different cognitive strengths. The short-term training is all about pattern recognition. The long-term investing is all about deeper thinking and seeing relationships among economic variables, monetary variables, and so forth. And so the skills really derive from the talent, what people are good at, their strengths, and different approaches to managing money ideally reflect the strengths of the money manager. To really become a top performer, Dr. Steenbarger recommends working on your strengths over your weaknesses, and he's not alone. A Gallup study done on strength-based approaches found that employees feel more confident, self-aware, and productive when focusing on strengths rather than weaknesses. This seems logical, but it's contradictory to the way we're raised. In the book, Now Discover Your Strengths, parents were asked where they would focus their attention when their kids brought home a report card that showed an A or an F. The majority of the parents said they would focus on the F. This illustrates how unfortunately we are so used to focusing on our weaknesses since at the very beginning of our learning journey. There is a common belief that we have to fill in the gap, otherwise we'll be weaker. The problem is this mindset causes a definite feeling of insufficiency and invites other negative emotions, none of which get us motivated or boost our creativity. Uh, so uh, there is a common myth that success in trading or investing is all about mindset, and that's a little bit silly. Mindset is important, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient for success. The analogy I use, uh, drawing on my medical school experience, is a high-performance field known as surgery. It's important for a surgeon 
to have a constructive mindset, but just having a positive mindset is not going to ensure a successful surgery. There are talents and skills that go into that. So what we find is that in investing money, in, in uh, being part of financial markets, there is a great deal of risk. It's also a great deal of uncertainty. And so being able to make a constructive mindset during the inevitable up and down of trading and investing is necessary to success. So we can think of an artist, for instance, a graphic artist or a performing artist, a mindset will be different than it would be for a financial professional and different than that for a surgeon. In general, uh, we find that a mindset that involves calm focus is one that allows people to maintain maximum access to their skills and talents. It's when the uh, stress uh, subject to the flight or flight physiological response to stress, if we lose our focus, and typically that interferes with performance in almost any field. The ability to manage your emotions and remain calm under pressure has a direct link to your performance. A study conducted at TalentSmart with over a million people found that 90% of the top performers are skilled at managing their emotions in times of stress in order to remain calm and in control. Poor stress management is so detrimental to your health, it can literally shrink your brain. A Yale study found that prolonged stress causes degeneration in the gray matter of the brain responsible for self-control. Regardless of what you hear though, not all stress is bad. According to Dr. Travis Bradbury, the author of Emotional Intelligence 2.0, anxiety is an absolutely necessary emotion. Our brains are hardwired such that it's difficult to take action until we feel some level of anxiety. In fact, performance peaks under the heightened activation that comes with moderate levels of stress. There are specific exercises that I work with uh, traders on uh, and, and investors. Uh, so, for instance, it's become popular for participants in financial markets engage in meditation. There is an app called Headspace that you're probably familiar with uh, that actually teaches people uh, how to do meditation and walk them through uh, various exercises. And what they find that during periods of stress, if they can draw on their meditative skills, they're able to avoid those fight-or-flight responses. Mindfulness is the first step. Uh, that, in other words, if we are going to be influenced by the risk and the uncertainty and the flight-or-flight stress, being mindful, being self-aware of our reactions is the first step in doing something about those reactions. But once, but beyond the mindfulness part, is the ability physiologically to slow ourselves down and cognitively to focus ourselves. There are exercises in psychology, uh, behavioral psychology, uh, known as exposure. 
counter exercises where we can visualize stressful situations that normally might trigger us. And while we're visualizing those, we keep ourselves calm and focused. And so we literally train ourselves to maintain a, a positive mindset, a constructive mindset, uh, maintain our frontal cortex activity during times of challenge. People in high performance fields often incorporate a practice of meditation. A 2017 study which was published in the Journal of Cognitive Enhancement took place at the University of Miami with Division I football players. The data demonstrated how mindfulness meditation can be used to instill mental resilience and positively affect people's moods and stress levels during high intensity situations. To find out more about mindfulness, check out episode 3 of the Learn Something New podcast. Visualization uh, is usually a first step in behavioral exercise we're teaching relaxation. So we will start out by breathing deeply and slowly, slow ourselves out physiologically, while imagining vividly scenes that we find, scenarios that we find calm and relaxing. So I might visualize being on a beach or holding my one of my rescue pack. And while I'm doing that, I'm breathing deeply and slowly and getting myself, quote unquote, into the zone. Visualization works when it is bitter and when it's profound, when it brings us to a state of uh, relaxation and a positive feeling. Now what happens in culture work is that once we become good at the relaxation, once we're good at visualizing the positive theme, we breathe slowly and deeply, focus, then we change the visualization into scenarios of stressful situations. So we imagine situations that can trigger us, that can stress us out, but while we're staying calm and focused, thing. And so we literally are rewiring ourselves so that we escape calm and focus with Visualization is a powerful mental rehearsal technique. In 1996, a study was done at the University of Chicago on visualization. A group of students were randomly selected to take a series of basketball free throws. The students were divided into three groups over a 30-day period. The first group was told not to touch a basketball. The second group was told to practice shooting free throws for half an hour a day. The third group was told to come to the gym every day for 30 days and spend a half hour with their eyes closed, simply visualizing hitting every free throw. The improvement in the group that purely visualized the exercise was almost the same as the group that actually practiced the exercise. The visualization of performance tasks uh, certainly does introduce that level of familiarity. So, for instance, in shooting the basketball, let's take shooting free throws, for example, where the thought line, there's a certain routine 
that most good players go through in shooting a foul shot. And so you can actually rehearse that routine and you can do it under palm focus conditions so that once again you're associating a state of focus, a state of palm with the challenging performance task. Then when you're on the court and you're actually just follow that player, you're actually at the control line, you can go through that routine, take the deep breath, just like in the visualization exercise, and be calm and focused and take the shot the right way. There is scientific evidence that speaking our thoughts aloud will help our brain perform better. In an article published by the New York Times, scientists at Bangor University discovered that speaking aloud to oneself demonstrates a great level of intelligence. After analyzing and measuring performance levels, researchers concluded that people are more concentrated and absorbed when speaking aloud. The benefits arise simply from the participants hearing themselves. This is because we find auditory commands are the best manipulators of our behavior. What we want to do is get the situation out there. And talking it aloud is one way of doing it. And that's why we want to use a performance coach or we use a therapist. It's as a form of talking aloud about a situation. And do that with colleagues as well. Keeping a journal, in a sense, is a form of talking aloud. It's a way of making what is internal or external and potentially objective. Once we talk something out loud, or once we put it on paper, we can become its observer. So I can talk loud, my fears, my issues, and when I hear myself talking, I observe that, I can realize that things are not realistic, that maybe the way I'm thinking is much too perfectionistic. The thoughts going through my head are not things that can tell another person in that situation. Talking out loud is just that kind of perspective. So often I will have people talk aloud their self-talk. What are you saying to yourself in this performance situation where you're feeling stressed? Many, 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 many times when they talk it aloud, they realize how silly their self-talk sounds. I've heard that proper goal setting is very important. So I asked Dr. Steenbarger to walk us through how you're supposed to make goals that are achievable. Well, uh, there's good research on that. And uh, what the research tells us is that very concrete, specific goals are better than very general goals. And having uh, limited goals is better than having many, many goals and that work on goals on a very regular basis, as in every day, is better than just contemplating them on a weekly or monthly basis. That was a great episode. I want to thank Dr. Steenbarger for coming on the show. Go to his website, traderfeed.blogspot.com. He's got lots of great articles there going deep into all the information he talked about. Also, it links out to his Forbes articles as well. I hope you guys got a lot of great info out of that. I certainly did. Until next time, I've been Michael Q, and now I'm going to go find something new to learn.